0: Wow, I thought something else was gonna about to happen. I, I don't know about you. Um, so again, Christmas is one of my favorite times of the year, not just because of all the, you know, the birth of Christ and everything you expect a pastor to say, but I love the, the eating from Thanksgiving all the way through to New Year's, Christmas Day, National NCAA men's football, championship, Super Bowl. Just, I just keep extending it, right? Um, But, uh, and then during this time of the year, it's one of those deals where I have, there are certain traditions that we kind of have in our household. And that movie is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, There's a scene that didn't make it to you guys that I think is hilarious. I I don't have time to go into it, but there's so many funny scenes. And I think part of it is, is because I grew up with a younger brother. And, uh, and, and I think I identify with Ralphie in a lot of ways of like, this is what I want for Christmas. I mean, any, I, mean I grew up, I'm a kid of the eighties. So I was, I was born in 71. So I grew up in the seventies and the eighties. And I remember like, you know, like catalogs, JC Penny catalog or Sears and Roebuck, remember that? Or service merchandise. Anybody remember service merchandise? take me back all right so anyhow so you could like go through and pick out what you wanted and all of that kind of a deal and and it's just one of those things where like i so the the ralphie wanting the the red rider bb gun with all the specs i was that kid so, and in, in, in growing up in elementary school, we, would, we did all kinds of stuff. But one of the things that we did was we loved bicycles. I mean, because bicycles, when you got your first bike, it was freedom. You could go where you wanted to go. You could kind of do what you wanted to do. And, uh, and so, and in, that, in, the, in the late 70s, early 80s, that was like a really big culture for a thing called BMX and BMX freestyle. And if you don't know what that is, you can Google it another time. But I wanted this Schwinn anybody remember Schwinn bicycles? Yeah, they were made in America back in the day. So Schwinn bicycles. So it was a Schwinn Predator P2000. It was a 4130 chromoly frame and forks with Dicompi brakes, (laughs) Shimano freewheel system with Skyway Tough Wheel 2 rims, gooseneck uh, uh, seat post. So a matter of fact, I found a picture and this, is, this was my Red Ryder BB gun back in, I think, 1980. That was it in all of its glory. And I remember waiting for this bike. I remember asking for this bike. I remember praying for this bicycle, right? And, and, um, and so you guys can take that down. It doesn't mean anything to you, but to me that was like, ah. That was the holy grail of everything that I wanted. Do you remember like at Christmas time, there was something that you wanted, something that you were like in love with, something that you thought about, something that you dreamt about? It was this, if I could just get this, if I could just have that, if I could just, well, I I think many times that that's true. And as we get older, we kind of uh, not do that as much, or it's not quite as much as what it used to be, or and, and, and not to be too overly spiritual, but, but the truth of the matter is, is that uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be in First John chapter 4. Sorry, I should have said that a couple minutes ago. First John chapter 4. But the truth of the matter is, is that when we talk about Christmas and we talk about things that we want and we talk about things that we love, like Ralphie loved the Red Rider BB gun, like I loved that Schwinn Predator P2000 BMX freestyle bike, we're all wired to love. We're, we're all wired to love. If you take taking notes, you can write that down. We're, we're all wired to love. We, this is how we're made. So when you see something that you want, when you see something that you desire, when you see something that you kind of latch onto, where does that come from? Everybody has that. Everybody's wired that way. Everybody, and it's different for all of us and at different seasons in life, it's for all of us. I wish all I wanted was a BMX freestyle bike. I'd probably break my neck at this age. But but I mean, I wish that was it. But but the truth of the matter is we're all wired that way. And I just want to walk through this passage in 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 7 through verse 15 as we kind of walk through the message today. But verse 7 says this, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Let us love one another because love comes from God. So, we understand John tells us, "Hey, God is love, we get that, and he unpacks that beautifully in this book, but you and I are created in His image and in his likeness, and so therefore, because God is love, we are made in god 's image and God's likeness. You and I are made to and made for love we're hardwired to love we 're hardwired to have that. Bennet Brown, the author, says it this way: We are biologically and connective and kinetic excuse me, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved, and to belong. It's how we're wired. Sometimes it gets hung up on things, which is really not what it's for, but it gets hung up there. But And sometimes it gets hung up on relationships, which is part of how we're wired. But, but, but we, at some, at the very base, at the very internal, at the very inmost, it's about who we are, and and where we're from, and why are we on this planet? And ultimately, it turns to a creator. Ultimately, it turns to God. The question is not, "Do you love?" The question is, "What are you directing your love towards?" So, to ask a question this morning: Is it a sports team? I, is it a hobby? Is it another person? Is it for Ralphie? It was the Red Rider. Uh, BB gun for me in the sixth grade, it was that bicycle. What is it for you? Today, what is it that your love, that you're directing the love that you have, the love that you have inside of you, what are you directing it to? And and I think that's a great question to ask ourselves from time to time. Even as a 50, almost 51 year old adult male, I I stop sometimes and go, "Whoa, whoa, where is my heart pointing? What is it going to? Because again, if I really get honest with myself, I'm not that much different than that sixth grader <laughs> that wanted that bicycle. I'm really not that much different than Ralphie who wants the Red Rider BB gun. Oh, it's a different thing and it costs more and the price tag is different. But I'm really, if I'm really honest with myself, I'm really not that much different. And so I have to occasionally go, what is it that I'm going after? What, what is it that I'm, is, am I trying for, vying for the affection of people? Am, am, I, am I trying for certain accolades or certain titles? Um, am, am, I, am, am, I, am I doing this so that I'm noticed or so that I'm, I'm appreciated or, or so that maybe maybe I get in with this group or with that group or I get this promotion or that promotion? Is it money that's motivating that? Is it, is it, is it people? Who, wh- and what people, wh- who is it? Is, is it the, you know, it, where, it, where is this affection being pointed towards? Is it things? Is it people? And, and I, I don't mean to really kind of play the God card on you, but, 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 but how much time do I really try to spend getting, receiving, having, focusing on, obsessing about the love of God in my life? Because it's so so easy in this world in which we live in, where we have disposable incomes, where we've got discretionary time and spending, where we've got choices and options for our love to be in so many different places. There are a lot of things that are vying for our love and we've got to be careful because the second statement I want to make that comes from John is misguided love will bring grief. Misguided love will bring grief grief. If your love is not focused on the right things, it brings grief. 1 John 4, 8, he goes on to say that whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Everyone has this capacity for love, but true love only comes from the source of love, which is God the Father, according to, according to the Bible. We see this in in an encounter. This isn't a parable. It's important to to remember this. But because in Jesus' life, he does these parables, these stories with meaning. And so he teaches all of this. But there are these encounters and one is the rich young ruler. And sometimes if we're not careful, we think, oh, well, that's just a parable. No, it was a real thing that was happening. Jesus was going from, from the synagogue and he was going from teaching and from healing people. And he was going through it. And, and, and this rich young ruler comes and he approaches Christ. And he, he wants to, well, how do I inherit eternal life? How do I have this? What do I do? He's so consumed, but he's misguided with the love because he wanted the blessings over the blesser. And in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 19, verse 21 and 22, it's going to be on the screen. Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, then go sell your possessions, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. And when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Think about this just for a second. He approaches Jesus. He has everything in the world. He has everything that money can buy. He's a rich young ruler. We don't even know his name. We just know that he has known so much for what he has that his name is not even important at this point. Have you ever been around people like that? Oh, that, they, they own such and such. Their family is such and such family they are the ones who own this franchise or they own this store or they own this business or that's the namesake. That's the, his grandfather is the guy that owns all of these. And he comes to Jesus and he says, you know, what do I have to do? And Jesus tells him, think about this. Sometimes you think, well, if Jesus showed up (laughs) and if he asked anything of me, I would just give it to him. No, you wouldn't, you big fat liar. We're, we're in church. Let's just be honest, right? I mean, like, this is what's happening. He, he, he is, he, he's a devout man. He, he's following the Torah. He's following the law. He, he's, doing, he's doing the right stuff, but he's still empty on the inside. Because the truth of the matter is, is that things have him. He doesn't have things. Things have him. That's the problem. Nothing wrong with having things. Nothing wrong with having a nice car, a nice house, or having money or resources. I'm not, I'm not busting on anybody on that. But there's something wrong when those things have you. And that was the issue. The issue wasn't what he had. The issue wasn't his wealth. The issue was what had his heart. And so Jesus looks at him and says, simple. Simple. You fulfilled all the law, you're doing everything. Why don't you just take everything that you have, take all of your wealth and give it to the poor, and then come and follow me? What an invitation. Just come and follow Jesus. Be with Jesus. Why don't you come and and see the the, the lame walk and the deaf hear? Why don't you come and see blinded eyes open? Why don't you come and see the dead brought back to life? Why don't you come and see the redemption of all mankind? Priceless, right? Yet the Bible says he dropped his head and walked away. Why? Because the deal is, is that he was looking for the blessings, not the blesser. And and we, if we're not careful, there are times when God invites us into opportunities to walk away from stuff, to walk away from the love of things in order to do something that is a greater thing, that is a greater opportunity, that's something that that money cannot buy. And and the Lord is inviting you and he's inviting me into a deeper relationship and he's inviting us into something. But yet we push away and we push away. And there's warning signs. There's warning signs, like we began to make excuses of why we can't, and we'll do that tomorrow, and you just don't understand. It's phrases like that. Well, if I had, in the case of the if I hads, you know, if I had a million dollars, I would. No, you wouldn't, because you're not faithful with the 10 that you've got in your pocket now. How will you be faithful with the million that God would give you? The Bible says very clearly, if you're faithful with little, God makes you ruler over much. The way to the master's chamber is through the servant's quarters. Jesus says, if you want to be first, then you've got to be last. If you want to be served, then you must serve. If you want to receive, then you've got to first give. It's counterintuitive. But there are these warning signs where we make excuses about why we don't and why we can't and what we can't do. Our behavior becomes questionable. Questionable to the point of what well, he used to do, or she used to say, or they used to, but they don't any, and, and I notice that they're not, and, I, and this used to be something, and that, you know, they used to be here, and the, they used to be involved with this, but now not so much, and they used to be faithful here and faithful, but not so much, and it becomes questionable. And, 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 and then there's, there's these warnings that, that, that come out, like Ralphie's mom and his dad, you're gonna shoot your eye out, that's one of the favorite things in that movie. Because if you get this BB gun, you're gonna shoot your eye out. 1 Timothy 6:10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For some people, eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced them, themselves with many griefs. Now notice this, it doesn't say that money is a root of all kinds of evil. Money in and of itself is benign. It it has no power. The only power that money has is that which you place on it. It's the love of money. It's the love of. It's the affixation with. It's the preoccupation with. It's, It's the focus upon. That's what brings about the evil. Money in and of itself It's just a commodity in which you buy and sell and barter and brokerage what it is that you need. It's not not the money that's the evil, it's the love of money. And and it's the eagerness and it's all of this. And and again, this verse is speaking specifically about money, but loving anything over God can cause us to wonder and in time experience grief. And if you look at the story, don't mean to be too theologically deep, looking at a Christmas story, with Ralphie and the Red Ryder BB gun, that's exactly what happens. The exact thing that he longed for, it came with grief because I don't mean to spoil the story, but he almost shot his eye out. The third thing when we talk about this is that, when we talk about love, is that aligned love brings salvation. Misguided love brings grief, heartache, pain, but aligned love brings salvation. Just think about that just for a minute before I go into the rest of 1 John chapter 4. This love, this ability that you and I have to place affection and focus and desire upon something or someone, has the ability to bring great blessing into our life, even salvation, or bring great pain and great grief into our life. The difference is the object that we're focused upon. The difference is the motivation of the heart. The difference is the thing that no one else knows except for you and God. First John four, nine and 10, he says this, this is how God showed his love among us, is that he sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Look at verse 10, this is love. You want a definition for love? Here it is. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So what's love? Love is that God loved us, sent his son for our sins. God loved us, sent his son for our sins. Meaning, love is nothing about me. Love is about yeah, and, and what God's saying is, this is not about me. This is about you. This is, this is about you. This is about your betterment. Th- this is about your empowerment. This is about you. And, this, and I'm going to give you the most precious thing that I have, God says. My one and my only son. So because of you, not because of me, I'm going to give you all that I have. Not just some. I'm going to give you all. The difference between Cain and Abel. One gave some, the other one gave the first. He gave all of the first harvest. There's a difference there. And in life, many times when we come before God or when we wanna go, well, why can't I have this deep-seated love? Because we want to give some and not give all. And God says, hey, this is what love looks like, that I'm going to do for you, not for myself, so it's selfless, and I'm gonna give all, not just some, and I'm not gonna give it for my benefit, but for your benefit, And something happens when I begin to, for someone else, give all that I have for their benefit and not for mine. That's when love fills my heart. And that is mentally, uh, cognitively counterintuitive to how our brain is hardwired because we would think that in order to, we're trying to get something that we need to ask we, ask something. we need to We need to gain something. We, we, we need to grab a hold of something. But the truth of the matter is, is the way that the creator has created you and I, the creation, in order to receive the love that we're looking for, we've got to give that that's the most precious thing to us away. This is why love brings salvation. Because God shows us this example that true love is God giving us his one and only son while we're yet in our sins. That's when Christ died for us. And how to, how to, what do we do? Then we give our one and only life unto the Lord because he first loved us. We in turn give him our one and our only life and, and, and we surrender that to him. And in giving our life away, we truly find life. It's counterintuitive. It's counterintuitive. Because you think, man, I I want this world. It's a rich young ruler. I want to get everything. I want to have it all. I want to do this. And so it's more, 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 more. But the truth of the matter is, is that the way to find true love and fulfillment and contentment is less, 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 less Less, less of me, more of him. Less of stuff, let God fill me with things that are are eternal and not just temporary. It's not about pursuing. It's about, it's the same way in a marriage. You wanna have a great marriage? It can't be about what you want. It's gotta be about what you're, how, what your spouse wants—it's about a focus not upon yourself but upon your spouse. You want to—you—you—you want to have kids that love you. Then focus not on giving them what they want but what they need, and upon attention with them, and attention upon them, and investing intensely into their lives in order to help them grow. You want to have a great relationship? You focus on how do I help that other person? How do I serve my fellow man? You want to have a great company? It's not about being the boss. It's about how do I serve people? How do I help people? How do I help people get to the top of the mountain not everybody wants to go but to those that want to go I'll be a Sherpa and I'll help you get to the top of the mountain and I'll help you ascend the mountain because it's not about me it's about you and it's this and when I do that all of a sudden all the things that I'm looking for begin to come to me that's love it's not the red rider bb gun it's not the bmx bicycle it's not the you fill in the blank it's me depleting myself See, a a Christmas story, the movie, it's all about the all-consuming love of things. But the Christmas story, the story that we read in the gospels, is about God's all-consuming love for us. True love is not about me at all. It's about you. True love is not about me at all. It's about him. True love for God the Father is not about himself. It's about us. For God so loved the world that he gave. 1 John chapter 4 verse 11 through 15 and I dro- and I kind of landed the plane. Dear friends, since God loved us, since he so loved us, we also ought to love one another. For no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in us. And this is how we know that we live in him and that he is in us, is that he's given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to the savior, to be the savior of the world. For if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they live in God. So what do you love today? What are you crazy in love with today? What are you obsessed with today? What's the object of your affection today? What do you want? Remember the original Christmas was not about things. It was about God's love for you and for me. And we need to make sure in all of our getting and all of our going that we remember to share the love behind this Christmas Story is a father who so loved his children that he gave not some, but all. And I wonder how different our lives would be, our communities would be, our world would be if we, the creation, tried to imitate the Father, the Creator, the Lord, God, and acting the same way He did towards us. And that is not about me, but about you. Not my will, but your will. Loving one another so much that we as a creation imitate the love of the Father to give what we have to help this person or that person, minister to this need or that need, give of, I'm not even talking about money, I'm talking about of ourselves. Like this next week as you go throughout your holiday week and you're shopping and you're coming and you're going, Make, make it a, 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 try something. Just to, what does it look like if you just smile at every person that you see? But I don't know them. I, I get it. Just, just smile. If, if the opportunity hasn't presents itself that you lock eyes long enough that say, hi, how are you? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. With, with, with the person that comes to wait at your table or the person behind the counter The person that you're interacting with at the gas station or the Brista at the coffee shop or whatever, they're rattling off, you're rattling off your order and they're rattling off whatever, but you just stop for just a moment just to lock eyes with them and say, hey, how are you doing today? Hi, how are you? Thanks, I'll have a... what, What happens in those moments because we're all going and doing so much stuff, but there's a lot of people in our world that are so consumed with things. What about the things that are most eternal? Only two things are eternal, God and his, and his word, God's word and, and people. That's the only two things that are important that, that are internal. And I just wonder if that focus goes off of me, and goes on to that other person. I just wonder what happens in those moments. And I'm not trying to be all touchy-feely, but but, but really be honest. But in those moments where we just let the Holy Spirit work through us to touch somebody else. And we quit worrying about what we're trying to do, what we're trying to accomplish, where we're trying to go. And we just say, you know what, today I'm just going to smile and I'm going to try to connect with people. I'm telling you, just, just try it. And at first, you'll have people that'll be grimsome. You'll have people that'll be all ball humbug. And you'll have people that are just giving the, the Wisconsin hello, which is this. Right? <laughs> but eventually, you'll find someone. It's downtown. And a group of guys were in town, pastors from all over the U.S. We hosted an event. Cause everybody, I don't care if you're a Packer fan or not, everybody wants to go to Lambeau Fields and everybody wants to see the Green Bay Packers play. Everybody. So we were able to put together an event to raise money for missions. I think we raised, I think with the guys in that room, it was close to a million dollars and just said, hey, what, what could we do if we did something? And so we were there doing this event, having this in town and we were staying at a downtown hotel one of the guys told me this later. He said, "I, I was was at the the coffee shop. We'd stay there two nights, and at the little coffee shop at the hotel. If I said the name of the hotel, you would know. If I told you where it was, you'd know exactly, just right here in our city." And he said, "I the the gal the first day. I just noticed she was a waitress, and she's getting the coffee, and she's doing this, and she just she's sweet, and she's 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 kind, but just." there's just something there. And it was like the Holy Spirit just kind of nugging, just kind of tugging on my heart, just kind of nudging me that I just, so it was whispers of the Holy Spirit. And he said, I'm just there. And I'm like, okay. So I just kind of, I just kind of prayed for her, you know, just kind of under my breath. And, but the thought didn't go away. And the next morning I go back down and there she is again. And she's she's very kind, but just, I could just tell there's just something that's, he said, So the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart that I was supposed to do something financially. I was going to leave her a tip. This is just a couple of weeks ago. He said, so I left an insane tip, tip. He said, I just don't do this. I'm not one of these kind of guys. I don't do any of this. And I just, I just, I just felt like this is what I was supposed to do. God will get it through you. He'll get it to you if he can just get it through you, right? So I did. And I go about my business, don't make any big to do of it, whatever. She comes and gets me and tears are streaming down her eyes, her face. And she said, why did you do that? She said, I'm a single mom. I didn't know how I'm gonna make, this has been one of the most difficult years of my life. I'm doing everything that I know how to do. I'm helping every way that I can and my kids Like, how am I gonna get Christmas? What am I gonna do? I'm such a loser parent. All of this is going on in my mind. And he just said, ma'am, I'm a follower of Jesus. And yesterday the Holy Spirit laid you on my heart and I pray for you. And today the Lord spoke that I was supposed to do that for you. It's not me, it's him through me. I don't know you, you don't owe me anything. But you just need to know that God loves you and that God sees you right where you are and that God is not blind to where you are and he's not deaf to your cries and he has a plan for you. You be blessed. How much different is our world? If in the middle of our hubbub, in the middle of our holiday season, in the middle of our desire for a Red Ryder BB gun or a Schwinn Predator P20 4130 Chrome Ollie frame and fork die, Compy break, free will with a gooseneck seat back, how much different is our world if we just say, God, let me give of myself all that I have and share your love. I think it changes our world. And I know it changes us. And that's my prayer for you today. Father, I just thank you today for this incredible congregation, for these wonderful people. And I know Lord, they live all of this out and they do more. When we get to heaven, we'll truly see all that you've done through these wonderful people. But I just pray God in this season, turn our attention, turn our eyes, turn our focus, away from ourselves and our wants and our needs regardless how poor or how blessed we are and help us to focus on ministering to the needs of a world that need you. Help us Lord to be faithful with that little or that much that you put into our hands. Help us to love the way you love Jesus. Lord the way you love. Because love comes from you, your word says, God. Love is you, is what your word says, Lord. So let that of you that's in us flow to a lost and dying world. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.